0: The actual process of delivering care should be built around each individual patient that encounters or comes into contact with our organization.
1: Hello, welcome to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare.
0: Well, hello again, welcome to another episode of the Better Outcome Show. I'm your host, Rafi Salazar. From rehab you practice solutions just a little note before we dive in we are running a promotion trying to get the word out for the second launch if you would of the book uh, better outcomes a guide to humanizing Healthcare." now that it's available on audible so what we're doing is we're giving you a special offer if you buy the book either on amazon or audible uh, shoot us a screenshot of the receipt or you know congratulations you bought the book um we will give you access to our direct to consumer uh, marketing and healthcare course it's called bottom up marketing direct to consumer marketing and healthcare we normally sell this for around 800 bucks but if you send us a copy of uh, or a screenshot of your receipt to either audible or uh, amazon we will send you a code for that absolutely free if you've already purchased the book and you still want in on this offer just leave us a review a review on amazon and send us a screenshot of that and we will shoot over the uh, the code and you'll get free access to the course i want to say there's like eight or nine uh videos that we did uh, presentations all about setting up the positioning what the funnels look like the process for um, converting leads to plans of care or to scheduled appointments and then some of the back-end stuff as well like how do you engage them how do you make sure they're going to show up these patients that you've now attracted through your marketing so um i think it's worth it (laughs) but i might be a little biased so if you want to do that just shoot an email to info at com with a screenshot of either the receipt from audible or uh amazon or a screenshot of the review you left us and we will uh will send you over the the code okay this week we are going to talk a little bit about patient engagement primarily what can clinicians and clinical organizations do to improve patient engagement, uh, primarily using things like uh, technology platforms and the like? I think there's in the book, Better Outcomes, A Guide to Humanizing Healthcare, Care, I spent a, a good bit, one of the whole chapters is focusing on patient engagement and what does that mean and how do we get patients actively engaged in their, in their care as opposed to being passive recipients of their care. Uh, so I'm going to talk a little bit about this. So I don't have an interview lined up for you. We've got a few coming down the pike, which are going to be really interesting. Um, but right now you're you're stuck with me. So sorry if uh if that makes you sad. <laughs> so when I think about patient engagement, primarily the idea of how do we improve or how do we get patients to take an active role or an active you know become active participants in their care, whether that be care planning so the the planning of their of the course of care they're going to receive setting the goals uh, you know setting the benchmarks what are ideal outcomes all of that to actively or actually doing or doing their part so whether that be you know i'm from the physical therapy space so whether that's completing their exercise at home maybe it's some kind of wound care maybe it's some sort of edema management um, if it's something like chronic uh chronic conditions like diabetes or heart issues, cardiac issues, like what? how do we get the patients from being somebody that just sits in the exam room saying yes, 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 getting the information um, and saying, okay, will you take care of it, to being an active participant or taking an active role in that where they're proactively looking for strategies or looking for things to help improve their overall health um, and quality of life. I wanna say, back when i address this in the book we really talked about the the non-human or the the non the non-technical piece of this you know empathy active listening building a relationship and then leveraging leveraging that relationship on behalf of your clients and patients to get them to become active participants in their care and i think that's still very relevant very important research hasn't changed on that so the question is well how do we do that like how do we actually make that connection, make that relationship, and then leverage it on their behalf. And I think this is where something like technology or using some sort of system to bypass some of the the abstracting that takes place in healthcare can be very useful. So I'm thinking primarily around access in this case. So again, two main things in my mind here, to improve patient engagement to make them make patients become active participants in their healthcare involve really in my mind two main uh, components one component we've talked a lot about but we'll kind of touch it at the end of this uh, little episode is just the uh, the human relationship side of things the active listening the empathy um, that sort of thing so human relationship boom and the other main one is Access, And what I mean by access is not that the patient can get an appointment, um, not even that the patient um, is able to afford the services. Of course, that's, that's important as well. I mean primarily the access that the patient has with that clinician or through that clinical organization. So you've probably experienced this. I know I experience it just about every time that I need to either book an appointment for myself or one of my children or, um, and you call the the provider's office and it's a phone tree right (laughs) right it's like press one to be connected to so and so press two to be connected to xyz for billing or for to schedule an appointment you click two, hoping to schedule an appointment and it takes you to another phone tree or another (laughs) another series of things you have to listen to options some of that just comes as par for the course when you have a big healthcare organizations but um anything we can do to decrease that bureaucratic mess that usually puts blocks between the clinician and the patient or the patient and the clinician really helps build that relationship which we'll get to at the other, at the at the tail end so how do we get to that relationship we need to make the relationship accessible we need to make it easy or at least decrease the perception of difficulty on the part of the patients to develop that relationship so maybe it's some sort of direct line of communication that be that can be established whether it's through like a patient portal or secure messaging or something of that nature maybe asynchronous video communications you know a while back we had um susanna from ac health on the on the the podcast and she talked uh, her whole her whole business is asynchronous uh, video communications between in the physical therapy space between physical therapists and their patients. So when you think about, well, what, is, what might be one of the things that is difficult in the the relationship between physical therapists and patients and what might keep the patients from becoming actively engaged in their own care, one of the big things is, for example, I don't know how to do this exercise or this exercise hurts when I move in this direction. Is my form right? All these little questions. And instead of, you know, having a, an easy way to get that question answered most patients just stop doing it until they show up to their next appointment or maybe they have to cancel an appointment or something happens and then it ends up being two to three weeks they show up the physical therapist says okay so how are you doing on your exercises let's take a look and they say oh well, i haven't done them well why haven't you why haven't you done them well, because I, you know, I didn't know it was hurting a little bit here. Or I just didn't know if I was doing it right. So I figured I'd wait to see you. And now this patient has lost, you know, two weeks or a week of their potential recovery time because they just didn't know. So her platform um, allows the the patient to take a quick video of themselves and send it to the to the physical therapist. The physical therapist can then look at it on their own time. It doesn't need to be heads up or synchronous. Uh, And can shoot a response over very quickly, whether it be through video or through text. Something like that removes that barrier. And what that, that removal of that barrier does, it actually does two things. One, the very practical. It gives the patient the answer they need. It gives them the information they need so that they can continue to complete and become active participants in their home program. But then it also... Increases and improves the relationship now that that clinician has with the patient, and vice versa. The patient feels like, okay, I sent this message to the clinician, the clinician responded to me, I didn't have to go through a calls tree, or I didn't have to, you know, there wasn't this whole layer of of mediation between me and the clinician. I had a question, I sent my question, and I got a response. Now, it doesn't have to be something that Complex, if you would, if you don't want to do the video thing, you don't have to. Um, that's just a, a good example. Something that's very easy and that most healthcare clinics have or should have is just something as simple as like secure messaging through a patient portal or something like that, where you're able to the patient is able to send a quick note over, and maybe it's getting triaged by a nurse or by a support staff. Um, but then the the patient is then able to receive a response from either the nurse or the clinician themselves. And again, what that does is it removes the barrier, the or at least the perceived barrier, between the patient and the clinician, and it helps facilitate that relationship a little better. You know, a lot of times those phone trees which we set up, uh, their their intention or the the intention is not to abstract it or to make it more difficult to communicate, between the the clinician and the patient but a lot of time that's how it's perceived like i got a call i gotta do this phone tree i've got to do xyz and maybe it was set up that way to be more quote-unquote efficient it was supposed to streamline the calls uh, that come into the organization sending people to the right person so that you are talking to the right person and some of that i get it is important and you need it you can't just be swamped with a bunch of general calls and then having to field them and send them wherever they need to go but for things that involve you know, patient information, patient education, patient questions about specifically about their care, that sort of communication needs to be treated and handled different than somebody calling with a question about their bill or a question about um, maybe uh, an appointment coming up in the paperwork they need to fill out or or something like that. You know, or, you know, I've got a question about, how to schedule an appointment or or something where there it's more administrative, it doesn't really need the input of a clinician or it doesn't really pertain to the that that course of care or that direct relationship. Sure, put those in a phone tree. I mean obviously try to make that as streamlined as possible because you're thinking about the life cycle, the patient relationship life cycle. you want that uh, the the touch points to be very. Uh, positive positive encounters every time for sure so don't go make it a bureaucratic mess to schedule an appointment but then super easy to to message your clinician but specifically with that patient clinician communication we want to do as much as we can to remove like i said it might even be perceived barriers on the patient side you know sometimes even just knowing even if it's two buttons that they've got to push they call the clinic press one to leave a voicemail with your uh, physician or your clinician, like even that is uh, a barrier. <laughs> you know, removing friction points is the key. So if that's a, a really big barrier, perceived barrier on the part of your patient, something as simple as well shoot us a text message or send us a a message in the portal can be just as easy or can be easier, especially if it's like on an, an app on their phone or something like that where they can log in. Maybe they just fingerprint their way in and then text message or send a little text over to the clinician and it goes into an inbox. And like I said, it doesn't mean that we're putting more work on the clinicians because those messages can be triaged by a nurse or by a support staff, by someone who can kind of filter through, okay, this is something that needs a, a response now. This is something that can be handled by a nurse. Or, or support staff this is just a procedural question or something like that um, but then if there is something like a, a specific question about we're gonna go with the exercises here like a specific movement in an exercise or a specific pain that a patient might be having with a certain activity then that can be addressed by a clinician and it doesn't need to be addressed right then and there it can be addressed you know in the lull time if you would during that normal admin time or the the patients or the the clinicians are normally calling patients back or leaving messages. Sometimes the the text message feature, the secure messaging feature can actually be quicker and save clinicians' time, and it increases the perceived access. So I own a physical therapy clinic myself, and we do this in the um, in our courses of care with our our patients that come through the clinic is that we've got a secure messaging feature. They're able to shoot messages to and from the clinicians. And the clinicians that do this or the patients that do it with the clinicians, one, the patients love it because they know that they can talk to you know Rafi or you know who any other member of the team. They can shoot them a message and they might not get a message back right away, but they will get a message and it'll be directly from us. The clinicians love it because they're not having to play phone tag with patients. They're not having to, you know, track them down and actually spend time on a call. They're able to look at the the message or the question and respond very quickly, um, and efficiently. So, a lot of times, it's in a in a let's say in between two patients or in a time where there isn't enough physical time to make a phone call and to play phone tag or leave a message. You know that takes you know five to seven minutes or whatever. Um, and the clinician, if they're using the portal, they're already in the, the, in the, uh, the CRM or the EMR, however it's, it works at your clinic. They're already in that portal anyways, doing their daily work. They know they see the little notification. They can click on it and be like, oh, you know, Mr. Smith has a question about XYZ. Boom, pop it in there, answer a question, send it off to them, and they're fine. Um, and sometimes that can take two or three minutes, so half the time, give or take. Um, so it is one of those things that On the surface might seem like it's going to be a big overwhelm uh, for the clinicians. Maybe they're going to get swamped with messages, yada, yada, yada. And that might happen to some extent, uh, at least in the initial phases while you're developing your process for doing this, for handling it, uh, for incorporating this sort of messaging feature into your workflows. But once you get it down, it's more efficient. It increases the access, which is a big thing, right? It removes that barrier, the perceived barrier between the clinician and the patient, and then it improves and fosters that relationship. So moving into the relationship, well, how do you do that? Uh, I spent a whole chapter on the book, Better Outcomes, A Guide to Humanizing Healthcare, on that. Um, you can find that book on Amazon and Audible, plug for the book there, or you can go to book.betteroutcomes.show, and we've got links there to where you can buy the book. So. Uh, empathy and active listening here is is the key. In the book, we talk about building meaningful relationships, and that kind of filters into the patient engagement piece. But the idea here is that we, we want to improve, obviously, the interpersonal skills and the abilities of, of the clinicians and the team members in order or with the focus of building meaningful relationships with each patient that comes into the organization that are built on this sense of mutual trust, empathy, and care, so I mean, it goes really without saying that at the very least, patients expect to be treated by clinicians who are professional, competent, etc. Right? Like I tell—I used to tell this to students when I was a professor at the university, and I tell it now to students that come through uh, our clinic here for for clinical rotations, and really when I'm working with clients in general, like competency is the baseline. <laughs> you know, like you don't win any points for being a competent clinician. That is part of what is expected of you in your job or in your role. What is above and beyond and what adds to and makes you more effective as a clinician or a clinical organization is your ability to communicate effectively, to build trust with your patients, to build relationships with those patients, and then use those relationships to help get them From where they are now whether that's painful uh, in the world of physical therapy dysfunctional in you know immobile or something like that or dealing with a chronic disorder or chronic pain or chronic diagnosis and getting them to their desired future state for lack of a better word but what does success look for this patient the idea here is that you're leveraging your skill, your interpersonal skills to help the patient get there whether it be Becoming pain free, getting to throw the baseball in the backyard with the grandson, or managing their diabetes more effectively and getting off medication or, or whatever it happens to be. So um, basically, what we want to do is remember that healthcare is a human experience, right? It's a, it's a human experience. Uh, encounter it's one person skilled in the art of healing that's you or the your clinical team helping another person on their unique road to recovery i say that a lot but it's so so true so we spent the first half of this episode talking about ways to remove the the perceived barriers between clinicians and patients and vice versa in order to facilitate this relationship and the best clinicians those that are sought out by patients by other referral sources and referral partners Are those that are able to make that human connection felt and to do that we need to just be intentional about one the way we set up the process of care I'm not gonna talk about that now because that is a an entire podcast episode in and of itself but um, the the main way that we do that is through the actual encounters the interactions that take place in the clinic between the patients and the clinicians ultimately the aim should be to communicate to the patients an attitude, if you would, of care, empathy, and sincerity. And you want the patients to know that you don't just you know, they're not just a number on a, on a checklist for you. they're not an item on the to-do list, or even worse, like, you know, four billable units in the world of PT. But you, you want the patient to know that we see that you see them as a real person experiencing a real limitation or dysfunction or pain and you do that by cultivating this environment of safety trust and collaboration now part of that is what we talked about in the earlier uh, segment of this episode so removing those barriers because if the barriers aren't there there's less of a hindrance and, and you've removed the thing if you would whether it be a phone tree or the bureau bureaucratic mess the difficulty of communication so once you have streamlined the communication you've opened it up That's great. That's part one. Part two is in how you communicate and how we communicate should be in a way that involves actively listening to their needs, um, showing empathy, whether it be through those reflective statements that you that you use to let the patient know that you're listening to them, that you understand that you're processing and that you're using that information to inform the recommendations that you're making or the plan of care that you develop with these patients it's funny doing the research for the book when i when i was writing it um it's funny to see how important this is and how little it gets you know at least when i was going through school um gets talked about um they talked about or i was taught a lot about you know the importance of the therapeutic alliance the therapeutic relationship developing trust with your patients. But it was very high level and there was no like, okay, well, what happens if you have a patient with XYZ diagnosis under these circumstances and there's a barrier there? You know, I feel like at my time at the university when I was a professor there and even now, you know, as a clinic owner or somebody that's got students coming into the organization, we focus a lot about this now in the practical sense. And when I was a professor, we we had moved more towards case-based learning which was awesome um it was a great great way to do business or to, to teach those skills um, and there was more of an increasing focus on actual interpersonal interactions and it was easier to do it in a case-based environment where you could do role play where you could have situations where maybe a, a student is um you know getting not put on the spot but they're they're actually live role-playing with each other and with the professors to put them in situations where, okay, it's one thing to say we're gonna listen with empathy, but what about in this circumstance where you've got a patient maybe with a totally different life experience than you, maybe they come from a different cultural background, different cultural perspective, and this is what they say. They say XYZ. You know, how do you respond to it? Um again, it's it's one of those things that it's very it sounds good. Oh yeah, we need to be empathetic, we need to, you know, practice active listening. But until you've got a patient who is in there um saying something like I don't think you're going to help me. I don't think you're going to be able to help because, you know, I've already seen five other clinicians and no one's been able to help me until you've been in that situation as a clinician or as a person, you don't really know how you're going to respond. You know, you can practice, 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 but it takes, it takes actual experience doing this. So whether that be with each other in, you know, in the school setting that kind of preps you for that. Um, but then, as you go into the world, as you go into the into the clinical world, actually doing that, you know, taking the time to actively listen, even if you're going to get it wrong. You know, there have been multiple times in my own clinical career where I've said to a patient, listen, I'll be honest with you. I don't really know. <laughs> um, I'm going to do my best. And this is what you know. this is what I'm going to tell you. This is what I'm going to promise to you or to to commit to you that I will do my very best as a clinician to help you get from whatever whatever the goal was from from x to y um and that, you know I might not have all the answers um but I'm going to get you either in contact with the right people to help get you there or I will do everything in my power to make sure that I can help you get to your desired goal whatever that happens happens to be a lot of my work was with uh, patients experiencing chronic pain when I was at the VA Um, we were able to develop an interdisciplinary pain management program and a lot of those times patients would come in and they had multiple comorbidities of generally in the mental health space obviously you know combat veterans so there were plenty of times where a patient would come in and uh, you know we would have i would do my evaluation with them and i would say you know what i can definitely help you with whatever it is your shoulder your back your neck The reality is though that there's, it's not just going to be me. There's going to need to be a team because what you've got going on is very, it's complex. And I know that you've probably seen a few different clinicians and you feel hopeless about, you may, you might feel hopeless about your ability to recover, but what I can promise you is that I'm going to do my part on the piece that i can help you with right now in the clinic but then what i'm also going to do is i'm going to connect you to my colleagues across the the hall or, or wherever we were set up so that you can begin working on um xyz and we're all going to maybe it's ptsd or something like that and we're all of the clinicians we're all going to work with you and we'll meet with you if you want to all together so that you can you know get the benefit you need get the the help you need to overcome this pain to become living you know get to the point where you're living as much of an active life as you're able or, and willing to and we might mess up a little bit we might make a mistake here or there but what I want from you the patient is to actively you to take an active part to let us know to give us feedback so that if we're not on the right track we can switch gears we can pivot we can do what we need to do so that you feel like you're getting the benefit and the help that you need in this area of your life Um, and just a little conversation like that like that's not anything super profound like I wasn't dropping mega knowledge bombs around you know chronic pain or the you know central sensitization and and what we're going to do there I just had a real you know frank and honest conversation with him I uh, told you know I was a little vulnerable about it. Listen, like I I'm, I'm probably going to make a mistake here. I will probably not get everything 100%. But what I can promise you is that if you come to the table and actively engage with me in this and you actively take a role in giving me feedback and letting me know what's working and what's not working, what you'd like to see, what you think you need, we will work with you to make sure that we're getting you to where you need to go. Now, a lot of times, you know, that was the working at the VA was wonderful in that we didn't have to worry about the insurance piece, so we could have team meetings and a lot of stuff that we, you, can, I know, as, as, especially now as a private practice owner, that just aren't practical as, uh, as it, when in an insurance-based world or in a fee-for-service world. Which hopefully we're going to be moving more towards value-based care, and we will be able to do a little bit more of that. Um, so there are some limitations there, but at the very least, if you uh, if you make that relationship or make that statement or come to the come to the table if you would with that kind of attitude the patients will become more engaged because they're going to see that you actually care that you're that your organization really cares about them as an individual and you're not just running them through the mill um, so anyways those, those are just some thoughts about building that relationship and uh, practicing the empathy piece but then also removing the barriers I think again when I think about it now and if, if, and when I write the second book, which I, I'm tentatively calling bottom-up healthcare, we'll see if I get the time between now and the the five kids in my life and, <laughs> and work to, to get around to writing it. Um, the, the piece that I think is, is, was missing in a lot of the, the conversations around building relationships with patients and Empathy and and the therapeutic alliance or the the patient relationship and all that The piece that I that I think is missing is how do we fit that within the the process of care? I think a lot of times Even the interpersonal piece you can train that you can get that working more or less Where the clinician feels, you know is able to communicate empathetically um, to show active listening to build that relationship. But sometimes they're hampered or impeded by the way things are done, the process of care. So, my idea with this, uh, this bottom up approach to healthcare is not just that we take a bottom up approach in the actual patient relationship, in building the, the treatment plan around the patient, but really the actual process of delivering care should be built around each individual patient that encounters. Or comes into contact with our organization. Now, you might be thinking, man, that's crazy. How do we do that? But the reality is, this is where technology comes into place. Some of these tools, these platforms, these devices, these softwares make it so much easier for us to do that. So, you have, you know, I'm envisioning something like maybe you have a framework for the way you treat, you know, chronic low back pain, for example. And, you know, this framework kind of outlines your process, but how does it work for, you know, Raffi Salazar coming into your clinic? Well, this is when the tools would come into place. And, okay, we typically do this, these are the phases of, of the, the treatment cycle, if you would. And in this phase, I know in your particular situation, you do, you know, whatever the, the activity is. Um, this tool will allow you to do this. This piece of technology will allow you to do this, um, or it will analyze your movement in this area and give us some feedback so we can modify it as needed so we can get things in place for you. Or, um, you might have a question about X, Y, Z. That's why we've got this secure messaging or this portal that you're able to shoot either a video or message to us and we're able to game plan with you. So it's not so much that you're like building everything from the ground up around each individual patient you still have your framework you still know what works evidence-based protocols and all that i get that Um, but you're using technology and the devices and the pieces in certain cases that you might not you know you might not use this tool with patient a and patient b but it's going to be very helpful for patient c right Um, so i'm thinking of this like my vision for this is that down the line it's not so much that you have one device or one software it's like uh a smorgasbord if you would and some of these devices are used with some some are more appropriate with others and you kind of tap in and out um, in order to develop a a treatment plan for this individual that works for them that builds the relationship uh, that is specific to their situation now some of that you know there's going to be some costs involved in that sure Um, and I think I'm I'm super super hopeful (laughs) and optimistic that the, I mean, even 10 years ago, the technology that we have now would have been you know, 15 times, 20 times more expensive 10 years ago, or maybe even unfathomable 10 years ago. And now it's here and it's relatively affordable. So I think we're at that, that slope, that hockey stick, if you would, where the, the amount of capabilities that we have is going super, super high. Um, and the cost to, do, to deliver that is growing marginally in comparison. So I'm very hopeful that somebody somewhere is going to develop some sort of um, maybe it's an integration uh, tool or something that allows a clinician to use multiple uh, multiple devices or softwares or platforms for different patients and kind of pick and choose in order to build an individualized uh, individualized treatment pro- approach for each patient. But you know that may be that may be down the line. So, anyways, those are just some thoughts I have about patient engagement, or about technology, and really about removing the barriers and the friction um, that come up between patients and clinicians, specifically around building that relationship. Like what can we do to build and facilitate that relationship between the patients and the clinicians? A lot of that is removing those barriers. And sometimes something like something as simple as a patient portal or A um, something that improves the access of communication or streamlines the communication is really, uh, just goes a long way. So anyways, that's all I've got this week. If you like the show, head on over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review. It helps people find the show. Um, And if you happen to be in the healthcare technology space, maybe you're an early-staged company, um, or you've got a, a tool, a software, an app, and it's designed to help clinicians deliver a higher standard of care, you want to innovate healthcare to make it more human, um, and you want to position that software or technology to attract and to, to get it in the hands of the clinicians that would most benefit from using it and the patients that most benefit from using it, then I encourage you to check out the Market Penetration Roadmap. It's one of the things that we do here at RehabU. You can find that it's strategy. Dot rehab you practice solutions. com. That's strategy rehab the letter U practice solutions. com. And basically, what we do is we help you align your technology, your software, your tool with your targeted healthcare stakeholders so that you're able to create a consistent message to drive business development strategy for, a, for that specific healthcare stakeholder. We've got a couple videos on the site talking about kind of the, the go to market strategy. What does it look like? How do you do it? Um, a little bit about what's involved, how long the, the process usually takes, some reviews, all that kind of thing. You can you can go check that out at strategy.rehabupracticesolutions.com. Until the next time, folks, be safe, be healthy. I will talk to you then.
1: Thanks for listening to the Better Outcome Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped, and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. We want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients, helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www.RehabYouPracticeSolutions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.